Because, you know, parents are always mm. like, it's just violence. And they become crack kids. And they know they just <laughs> fight each other. Like, have you ever seen a kid who plays video games? They ain't fight nobody, you yeah. know? Who needs crack? Well, they, got did sell, they did sell crack on Oregon Trail. I don't know no if kidding. you know about <laughs> No, I'm absolutely <laughs> joking. <laughs> He's like, man, I need to play Oregon Trail. <laughs> <laughs> does, it, does it run on Linux? That game is fire. Hey, hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Super Agile Bros. As always, it's going to be a great episode today. It's going to be really fun. We're going to be talking about gamification and learning games and our personal opinions about that topic. Um, So I know Steve and Kyle both have strong opinions about it, but I'll introduce them first. Kyle, tell the people hello, hello. What's up, everybody? And Steve, you know the number. Do your thing. I just got new glasses, so I'm actually wearing glasses now instead of contacts, so you can call me Glasses Steve. Wow. Uh, How about we just call you Four Eyes? That's like the original. Dang. I haven't heard that in so long. (laughs) I I feel like Glasses glasses Steve is like the worst nickname. Hey, my nickname is Glasses Steve. (laughs) I agree. Hyphenated? It's the worst nickname. That's what Keisha calls me when I'm wearing glasses. She's like, no. oh, it's glasses, Steve. And I'm like, oh, disrespect. Do I not exist? <laughs> There's like a distinction. Keisha. Disrespect. <laughs> yeah, a woman after your own heart, surely. <laughs> yeah, th- this is a super side note, but there's a fighter in the UFC who didn't have a nickname and he beat two guys really fast. And he's like from out of the country, from out of the U.S., out of the country. Yeah, the U.S. And he's like, call me no time. No time. No because time. Because I beat everybody in no time. <laughs> so that's Call him dirty years. <laughs> so that's officially his fighter name. No time. So anyway. Uh, I've heard that a lot it. growing up. Call me no time. <laughs> Just don't call me late for dinner. <laughs> Get hurt on dad jokes. Steve's ready. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not <Okay>. ready. <laughs> so um, let's get into it. So. I wanted to do this episode now. Uh, we had, I, there was another episode we had primed in the pump, uh, which is coming. An episode where we talk about a uh, deep dive into uh, the ball head man himself, One Punch Man. Uh, but I last episode, the last time we did the podcast, we kind of went on a tangent talking about gamification. And I felt like it was a hot topic. So I was like, let's go. Let's get into it. So let's go ahead and get started. Like, I want to ask you guys straight out the gate and like, what do you guys feel about learning games and gamification in general? Like, what is your take on the whole world of learning games and stuff like that? And even the concept of gamification, you could tackle however you want. What do you guys think? Four eyes. Would you like to go first? Oh, are you talking to me? (laughs) Really? Thank you. Thank you. Glasses, Steve. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go first. Um, So I think (laughs) this is a weird way to put it, I guess. I think morally, I like gamification and learning games. Uh, Depending on, I think we, I mean, what Kyle was talking about, where people just come up to him and they're like, hey, I want you to make a game that's like Halo, but it's about selling cars. (laughs) Uh, I think that was the exact example he used. Yes, I think so. Wow. Yeah, so I I think that's stupid. But. I mean, games are very useful for learning lots of things. 
And depending on the subject, I mean, <clears throat> you can actually build the learning into the game. You might be able to have like a something like a quiz, like to test the knowledge, or you might just have to rely on exposure, you know, like exposure to the the topic throughout the game, and that's how someone learns. Um, but I think that's really cool. I think everything should be a game. Ooh, interesting. Uh, yeah. You can quote me on that. You are now quoted. Don't quote yeah. me on that. <laughs> officially, no, it's quoted. done. You officially are quoted. Immortalized. The, the edit. I'm going to edit out the "Don't quote me." It's <laughs> <laughs> just going to be long silence. <laughs> so he just okay. says, "Quote me" twice. Okay, we got some positive vibes about it. Okay, Kyle, what, what about you? Uh, yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, you know, I don't, I don't appreciate bad gamification when it's passed off as good gamification. I appreciate the effort that kind of goes into it. Like there's experiences that I've had where people have tried to make learning more fun and just, you know, it was either tough or they just didn't do a good job. So I understand that. But when I see places where they're like, oh, our stuff is super engaging, super fun. And then it's just obviously pandering or just not good. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you guys are you are the reason why people (laughs) usually turn away from learning games. Um, Yeah, but. I think as an as an initiative, I think it's great because, you know, tutorials like we we talked about this a little bit last time too. You know, tutorials are like where you learn how to actually play games, but they're super effective at teaching. And so, like, learn if learning games are like tutorials where they're actually teaching you something while you're enjoying yourself. And I think they're re- that's really good. Okay, that's real. That's real. Yeah, I mean, personally. I think I agree with you guys on on the concept as a whole, like learning games, like games that enable learning uh, being a good thing. I just think that like, it's kind of like communism. Oh, good. (laughs) Yeah, let's make that a topic. (laughs) Here we go. You know, in theory, communism is perfect, right? Like everybody shares equally, everybody Mm -hmm. works equally, everything is great, we all eat, we all are rich and well-fed. But the reality is like when it comes down to it, like people have different work ethics and people have different goals and what they want out of life. So communism doesn't work. Similarly, I feel like learning games when given to the wrong people can be like communism in the sense that like they don't know how to actually put it into practice in a scenario where it can work. And I feel like I see it so oftenly done wrong that like, I almost am like, stop, just stop. You know, like I do have good memories personally from games that enabled learning. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe we could talk about those a little bit, but like for me, I struggle with learning games because I really feel like the people who espoused it or try to like, lead the charge are the wrong people like they don't even understand games on a fundamental level like how dare you talk about learning games <laughs> i mean you are banished I, but i don't know do y'all, do y'all do y'all feel have y'all run into that situation where it's like people who should not be like leading the learning game or the gamification initiatives like maybe companies or whatever have you ever seen that like you know I can't. Yeah. Sorry, you go ahead. You have something nice to say. Oh, <laughs> you have something that's not nice to say. <laughs> I kind of want to hear that. <laughs> it's not. It isn't unnice. It, it was go the ahead. opposite of what go it is, Steve. I got. Yeah, I'm talking the most. 
I'll just go ahead. Um, <laughs> I have not really had any experiences that I can say came from a specific company or from a people. I, I'm sure I've played games, learning games that were ill-advised <laughs> or ill-formed. Mm. Um, I've definitely, actually, no, I've definitely played some of them at a certain tech company. They were meant to be, they were barely games. They were pretty much just like drag and drop versions of, of, uh, like multiple choice questions. Mm -hmm. They were just fun quizzes, interactive quizzes, I guess. Not even fun. Interactive. Yeah. 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 They, They took mildly more effort than just clicking a little circle. But isn't that kind of redundant though like interactive quizzes you know like and that's how it's you know that's how it's marketed it's like oh interact but you have to interact with it at its core like a a quiz nothing happens if you don't interact with it yeah so it's super redundant uh you watch a video and then at the end like all right play this game it's like this Mm -hmm. isn't a game it's a quiz (laughs) it is more difficult it's it's, <laughs> it's a less accessible Steve. quiz you have lives yeah yeah, yeah. I, I feel like it's just like i don't know like a quiz i don't know to me personally a quiz is fundamentally not fun right like when when it, like if i'm playing a trivia game and maybe that's a, a segue but it's like a trivia Ooh. game a lot of times there isn't like an actual thing at stake other than bonus like maybe I win and I beat my friends or I make a lot of money and that'd be awesome. It would suck if I didn't win, but like, it's always a bonus. I feel like when you do like learning gamification quizzes, it's always like you fail this. You have to do it again. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I don't know. You don't really learn anything from the failure state. Like in actual games, you know, I would say puzzles are quizzes, you know, they're, because quizzes are just knowledge checks, right? Like, have mm-hmm. you been paying attention up to this point to be able to get past this point? And it's like, it should be checking if you're prepared to go on to the next place. But it more more so just gets you to regurgitate information, which isn't fun. Well, puzzles, are you talking about puzzles do that? No, I'm saying that's what trivia does. Okay, sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. or... I guess quizzes in general kind of all fit within just regurgitation. I don't know if you want to go into like specific games right now. Maybe you still yeah, want to ahead. stay more abstract. But yeah. as you've been as you've been talking, I've been thinking about all these games that I loved. Yeah, learning yeah, go games. Ahead. All right, I'm gonna name drop some things. Well, I'll do one at a time, so I don't overwhelm anybody. Uh, have you. you guys played Mind Maze from Microsoft and Carta? Mind maze. I don't think I have. Elaborate, Steve. Okay, I said I'll I'll take that as a no. So, Mind Maze was a game. Do you know what Encarta is? No. Yeah, it's basically the encyclopedia. Yeah. Like yeah. Oh. Yeah, I guess I guess Kyle's a little too young for that. Um. <laughs> yeah, Got so him. a long a long time ago before the internet, it was it was during like the beginning of the internet. Microsoft would package essentially a uh, a multimedia enabled encyclopedia and you could buy it. It was called Encarta and it had all these articles and like video clips and music uh, music clips and all sorts of cool stuff. And I 
strongly remember having our home version and like going through and and like reading every single science article I could get my hand on. And uh, here I am now. But um, glasses, cool. Steve. They <laughs> yeah, <it laughs> b- destroyed my vision. <laughs> um, but they they built something called Mind Maze into Encarta. And Mind Maze, I'm surprised you never played it, Brad. But it was a trivia game hmm. where you're in the Mind Maze and you have to travel. It's like a point and click type uh, type game where you're in a room and you you click on a door. But then to go through that door, you have to answer a, a trivia question. And I don't Jesus. remember the exact rules, but you're trying to essentially get out of the maze. And as you go, you unlock the map, right? You you expose the map. Um, and I th- there's there's some penalty for wrong answers. And uh, it was pretty difficult if you didn't know the subjects. So I loved it. I would, And that's all it was. It was trivia. Like, it was totally un unrelated to the gameplay like all the things we talked about last episode it was terrible at because you had this this cool atmosphere with these weird characters that are all kind of trapped in this weird maze with you and then you're just answering trivia questions there's no like correlation but as Hmm. a kid i loved it well let me ask you this so as a kid you you however you got in carta did somebody tell you to play this game or was it like you discovered it or just found it on your own like how did you I do not remember. Game. I don't at, at remember. Least, at least, do you? Did you have? Was it a part of your homework or anything like that? No, it was not. I don't think so. I definitely. So we 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 had this at school, and I'd always be on it at school. I think we also my family like bought it. Like so, we had the mm-hmm. home in Carta as well. Uh, but I know a lot of I know a lot of the other students knew about it at school. So I don't know if we discovered it together, and it was just one of those things that spread by word of mouth. Or if the teachers were like had us on there, but there was, there was a, uh, there's some sort of trick or secret to opening Mind Maze. I forget what it was. Maybe huh. it just seemed that way to me as a child because the adults, <laughs> the adults didn't know how to use the computer, and I was clicking every button on the interface and probably found it, and it was just there. It was Who just knows? an option, but it was like it was hidden the whole time. Right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So who? I I it was I was far too young. But so, so you know, and, and I, I just immediately like when I think about the story you're sharing, I think about a lot, uh, a, a lot of the learning games that I grew up on. Right. Um, and I think what's interesting about the experience, like, OK, for example, there's a game that I played on the mic, the MS-DOS or whatever it was called. And it was like this dinosaur game. And it was like you needed to get all of the dinosaurs before the meteorite hit the planet and killed them all um that's nice but like honestly and all it was was like imagine like doom type kind of graphics where it's like billboarding where it's like a 2d sprite that kind of always looked at you as you moved around in the little maze and you just had to find all the different dinosaurs before the time ran out i can't remember exactly but like fundamentally that game was like just a game about learning all the different types of dinosaurs, you know? Great. Like, yeah. That's I don't, cool. rem- I don't remember any of them, but I do remember like it would talk about it. Like the Megalo, blah, blah, blah. Megalodon did this and blah, blah, you know, like, yeah. and, and it would break it down. I mean, I was like really young. I was like three or four. So maybe it was above my pay grade, but I kept playing that game over and over and over because I think the thing that was fun to me about it 
was trying to beat the level, which was to get all of the, the facts or to get all the information. Oh, yeah. You know, and like you said, Steve, even if there was a quiz in the game, I think I would have still enjoyed it because I think to me that would have been a part of the experience. Like, oh, I got to find all the dinosaurs and then I have to beat the the evil master at the door, you know, to get, you know, to get out of the place. You know, I need mm-hmm. to answer the right questions. You know, it would have seemed fun to me, you know, and I think that's because you were like, you know, interested in the subject matter. So. It was like every it what it was valuable to you, like rather than them telling you it was valuable, you know. I think that's probably part of it. Um, I think we also just enjoyed being good at it. Because if, <laughs> yeah. if you learn it, then you do well. Yeah. Right. And yeah. it's satisfying to do well. It and is, you, and you do better every time that you play it again. Right. If you get that right. same question from Encarta, you know, Maze Mind, you're like, oh, I know this one. You know, like, oh, what was it again? You know, it's and it's not that it's a self-imposed challenge because you could quit at any time, but you're always trying to be better, you know? Yeah. Um, as long as you're in it, I guess it is. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name some more games. Please yeah. tell me you've played these. So have you played uh, any of the Pajama Sam games? Yeah. I've heard of it never. Or maybe I have played it. I don't know. What Describe it. Describe it. It's a point-and-click adventure, 2D animated. Uh, he's a little boy. I think he has blue skin. He, his pajamas are blue. He has a little... It's a little blue skin boy. That's correct. Um, there's several sad. games. I played the one, uh, No Need to Hide When It's Dark Outside. Oh, yeah. That's a classic. Yeah. So, Pajama Sam, accident, he, he, uh, he's a little kid who loves superheroes, and he pretends to be Pajama Man. Um, and he's going to fight the monster in his closet and he falls into his closet into like an alternate dimension and he has to, you have to find his, his, the three items that make him pajama man is, um, his mask, his pajama man, limited edition lunchbox and his flashlight. And then you have to fight darkness at the end. And then you get to the end and darkness is just this really cool guy who plays like checkers with you. And, uh, yeah, My type so, of darkness. <laughs> and uh, I, I, maybe it's not a learning game. Maybe Kyle, you can tell me as well. But it felt like it was kind of a logic game, and you learn like it's a point and click game. It's a I think point mm-hmm. and click adventures yeah. are good at that because you're you're trying new things, you're figuring out puzzle solutions, right? And some of them are based on like actual physical, like the physical world, like, oh, mm. if you mix these two things, you get fire and you can use that to, you know, burn mm-hmm. burn a hole in the door. And then keys. So since they were centered around kids, um, I, I would say that they count as learning games, but they were more open than like, oh, we're just going to learn about shapes or colors or uh, numbers and letters. Like all that stuff was kind of integrated into the puzzles. Right. Um, and so I think they, I think they did a great job also integrating those puzzles into the story, I guess, that you'd follow. Because since it was a point and click, you know, there were multiple screens, but you could go through them in any order. And, you know, places would open up as you get certain items and stuff. But I, I, they're almost kind of like, you know, baby's first point and click. Mm. I, they're problem solving. That's what it is. It's like logic yeah. and problem solving. Yeah. Which at that age is definitely a learning game, <laughs> and they're really good. Like, oh yeah, yeah, that's high quality. I, I do remember Pajama Sam 
now like i remember the image of him i'm i don't Mm -hmm. think i played it but that's the thing it's weird because now that you say that i remember thinking man i want to play that game i remember seeing it like walmart in the gaming section near the computer stuff because i used to go over there all the time you know um and look at what was over there and yeah that's interesting like (laughs) like i wanted to play it i mean even if it was just a learning game i wanted to play it like I, I kind of, I remember the feeling. I can't say that I remember Pajama Sam and the storyline. I just remember going, "Ooh, that game!" and like seeing it, <laughs> and it seemed cool to me. Like they were so well animated, and they had fully, vo- they were fully voiced. Like they might as well have been cartoons, like interactive, yeah, cartoons. Yeah. Like they were super high quality. Like they were top tier games, just as games, you know. And there's a bunch of games I had that were like that. Uh, Freddy the Fish, Putt uh, Putt. Put putt, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a third in that little group. Um, I don't remember. I still have I that jingle in my head, you know. Put putt saves a zoo. Yes. Put putt saves a zoo. So, <laughs> so, there were like PBS spinoff type games that were in the same vein. Like Arthur had some, and uh-huh. Sesame Street had some. They were all very similar, but I think it was those three. I'm not thinking of a. I can't think of a fourth one. I had one called the Robot Club. <laughs> you guys heard of that? No. no. The Robot Club. Uh, essentially, the game is a series of missions. You're you're like a high schooler or a middle schooler, mm-hmm. and you're part of the Robot Club. And this Robot Club is, it's a school club that secretly is like solving. They're like vigilantes. They're solving the, the town and the school's problems, but they're doing it like under the table so no one can catch them because they do things their own way by building robots. And so <laughs> you would build a robot and the task is, you know, deliver pizzas. So the robot has like a light sensor and wheels and a pizza detector or whatever. And you have to put the parts on, which is the really, it's like Legos. You just stick them in the holes. It doesn't matter. But then you have to program the robot. So it's, it's, you learn about loops and you learn about states. Um, interesting. That's it cool. was, it was a uh, very formative for me. Wow. You know, what's interesting. Like if you're talking about these games, like I'm thinking about, like there's a game I play used to play called the incredible machine on MS DOS. And it was like, basically like this game where it would give you all these items in a room and you had to figure out how to like move a certain thing to a certain part of the room. Like it would give you a fan, uh, iron, a bowling ball, a light bulb, and you had to like put them in a certain place to make these like it's kind of like a Rube Rube Goldberg, Rube, Rube, yeah, Rube oh, Goldberg yeah. machine. Rube Goldberg, yeah. And I used to play the mess out of that game like crazy. <laughs> Matter of fact, I want to play it now. Now I'm thinking about it because um, it was so <laughs> complex to me. But you know what's crazy? Like I'm a hundred percent sure. Like thinking back on it, like that was one of those problem solving games, and it was like for a kid my age playing it. It was like a learning game. I was learning how. Oh, like mm-hmm. a bowling ball is heavy. So when mm-hmm. I put it in a basket, it does this. And like I'm learning how physical items in the world based on some rule set would work. Yeah. And even thinking about games like uh, Math Blaster and. Um, <gasps> yes, yeah, Math Blaster. That was Blaster one of the games was I was thinking of. Um, uh, like Mavis Beacon t- type teaches typing like. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe Maze Beacon felt more like a learning game, but a lot of the games, they just, a lot, I just said it, a lot of them just felt like games to me. Like, right. yeah. I, yeah, especially totally. at school, if we had computer time, I wanted that time to last for two hours. 
Like, I didn't 100%. want it to stop. I wasn't like, oh, my goodness, I got to play Math Blaster. You know, like, I was like, oh, we get to get on the computers? Oh, you know, like, Did have you guys... guys oh, you go ahead, Kyle. I've been dominating. No, no it's all good. <laughs> no, go yeah. ahead, Kyle. What do you think? I'm going to step into your paint. Um, Have you guys played Oregon Trail? Of course, man. The OG. I, I've actually never played Oregon Trail. What? This man I've has only played, played Robo Boy, but not Oregon. <laughs> right. I've never I mean, played metabots. any text games except a dark room. Wow. So what were you saying, Kyle? I was I was gonna say I think so. I was exposed to Oregon Trail when I was much too young to appreciate it. So I I didn't play a whole lot of it, but I do know I guess just how deep the game goes. And that, and there's like there's YouTubers that I follow and stuff that that have played that game like recently, and it still holds up. Mm-hmm. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, what, yeah. Like I played. I got introduced to it maybe in fifth grade, fourth or fifth grade. And yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, even the fourth or fifth grade, that's above your pay grade, son. Like mm-hmm. you you get the general rules, but you don't understand the systemic decisions and how like oh, if I do right. this, it'll affect this. That'll affect this and. Uh, I remember actually in high school when I was in a senior, I think. Oh yeah, I think I was a senior. We played Oregon Trail as a class, like oh wow, and we debated on oh. decisions, and we died immediately. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's still it's still pretty difficult, right? Like yeah. So do you know? I guess the the I guess the core of Oregon Trails, Steve. Classes, Steve. Um. What do you mean? The, I mean, no, not really. I know it's a text game. I know that you're traveling and you have to, you know, not get dysentery. And you have to, I guess, assume feed your animals and feed your family and stuff like that. The original meaning. Yeah, that's dysentery. pretty much the gist. The dysentery, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, give, give it a full description, Kyle. Like, what, what is Oregon yeah, Trail? Yeah, hit me. Yeah, so cut in if I miss something. But effectively, yeah. So you start off with a band of people in... Or do you go from Oregon or to Oregon? You're heading to Oregon. Yeah, you're headed to Oregon. I think that this is during the gold rush or something in some sort of famine, I think. But anyway, so you leave your settlement with just a little bit of like food and water and stuff. And then you have this carriage. And then like along the way, there's like all these things you have to manage. Like your people are going to get hungry. They're going to get tired. They each have like their own personalities and needs. Oh. And then you're also going to encounter other people along the way, both friendly and ones that want to just take all your stuff or even end your life. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and this game came out like forever ago, mm-hmm. but it's like super deep. And then like a- along the path, like it's not just a straight path where it's like, oh, here's another NPC. Like sometimes you'll have to cross rivers. Sometimes mm-hmm. you'll have to debate whether or not you're going to, you know, attack livestock that you see on the side of the road that might you know belong to somebody else like a bunch of different decisions it's crazy yeah yeah i mean that's yeah that's i mean it makes sense that it holds up because i think about this game that just either i don't think it's come out yet but it's it's new it's coming out now uh route 55 you've seen the trailers for that right Mm Hmm. it sounds that's what it sounds like you know you're trying to go somewhere yeah it's kind of randomized but you know you, you make your own decisions Mm-hmm. And the situations you run into are, are different every time. Yeah, I think Oregon Trail introduced me to the concept of RNG. 
<laughs> like right, now, I wasn't right, aware yeah. of what it was at the time, but it's like going, you know, cause like Kyle said, you're trying to make these decisions. You're like the, the biggest decision when you cross that river. Okay. Do you ford it across? Do you like float it? Like you, you have to make a decision and horrible things happen, right? You're yes. like, Oh, I shouldn't have done that. Like, Oh, this person has dysentery. Do I need to feed them more? Or do I need to, you know, um, and like, Oh, should I pick this person up? Uh, should and kids I... don't know what dysentery is. So they're like, what do you mean? What do I do? <laughs> I mean, you've, you've, you learned a day when all your people die. <laughs> like you, you learned like, Oh, I, if you didn't know what dysentery was. You played a game once. Um, and like, yeah, like sometimes you need to go hunting in the hunting mini game was brutal like and you had so many bullets and even if you killed a whole bunch of animals you could only carry so much meat and like it was right. all these like you're weighing yeah. decisions and like like it, it, it i honestly don't think it was made for kids it just was a game <laughs> happened to. that happened to fall in front of children you know sure uh you guys you you guys played a dark room with me right a dark room. A dark room. I, I remember it was. A, it's a text-based game. It's a. Oh yeah, I did. It was in a browser tab. We were playing at IBM. Yeah, I remember that one. You introduced me to it. I played way too long. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> way too long. I uh, got to the point to where you start to explore the map, and I was like, "No, I have to stop here." Exactly. Yeah, I, I had to quit as well. Um, but yeah, there was not to not to diminish the Great Oregon Trail, but that's really my only point of reference. So wait, wait, what's the, uh, I'm not familiar with the dark room. A dark room. Oh, uh, sorry. So it's a a text-based game. I guess text and buttons. Um, But yeah, you start in a dark room and your only option is to like stoke the fire. And then, you know, someone peeks their head in and says, hey. So basically over time, people come to your, you're, you're in a hut and you can build other huts and make a village and people will show up and they'll have jobs and they make furs or they smolt. Uh, metals and stuff and um sometimes wild animals will appear and you have to deal with them sometimes uh or not deal with them but deal with the fallout from that sometimes your families will have kids and you have to like give them more food and then there was a mini game that opened up where you can go exploring and the game would change and you have a map and you're walking around it's like a a grid map and you have random encounters with turn-based uh action and it was brutal. I got killed so many times, or killed. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I got defeated so many times. I lost so many resources by like random animals just one shotting me, and I wasn't ready. <laughs> <laughs> so this game, first of all, the room, the name, the dark room, is very misleading because I thought it was like an escape room game. No, a, mm. a dark room. A dark you start room. in a dark room. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> That's super weird. It's super specific of a name. It do- that doesn't really lend itself to, I guess, how vast the name right, is. Right, it doesn't. But because that's, I think that's su- the best part of it, or it's part of the charm is that Yeah. it isn't that you're escaping the dark room, but the game centers and begins in a dark room, and you always go back to that room, like, that's your base of operations, I guess. You're the leader so how, of this So how is the visuals presented? You said it's a text It's all game. text. Yeah. So you don't see anything. Yeah, you get a message that says, you know traitor appeared what do you do and you, you you can push one of the text buttons okay so it's so it's truly just text like a, yeah. one of the i can't remember the name there's a name for that not type. adventure John, another uh, one. not a crud game is it a crud game uh no i can't remember anywho nah that's interesting now i gotta <laughs> look into this um i'll send you the link later i still have it bookmarked 
Yeah, yeah, it yeah. saves me. I, I've never. Oh yeah, and it saves your progress in the browser, doesn't it? Yeah, but I lost that a long time ago. Oh, also, I think uh, Oregon Trail is one of the games that introduced a lot of people to permadeath. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because mm. yeah, once you died, you lost, you were dead. But hey, so so okay, okay. So we've been talking a lot about uh, like our really good experiences as kids with games that were learning games. So I want to hear if y'all have had an adult learning game experience that was like, oh, this is like, this is, this is top notch. I'm enjoying this. You know, have y'all played a game as of late? As grown? So are we differentiating between a quote unquote learning, like educational game and a game that teaches you its mechanics? So, I mean, I guess, I mean, we can always do this, but like, what is, what is a learning game? You know, like, I think we were in the last episode we talked about is like a learning game is just a game fundamentally, right? Like it's right. just maybe, maybe it's heavily focused on you learning a particular real world thing. I think that might be yeah. the only difference, right? Like God of War doesn't really teach me anything necessarily about the real world. <laughs> right. <laughs> but like Oregon sure. trail at least teaches me history. I mean, God of War teaches you some type of weird history, alternate you know, mythology history, <laughs> but um, but but it's more focused on trying to teach you something that actually matters to your life in some way. If it's learning how to type, if it's learning a certain job skill, if it's learning so on and so forth. So that's kind of, I don't know if y'all agree with that definition, but that's kind of what I think oh. of when I think of. I think I, I think that's a good way to, you know, the way that adults kind of see learning games because that because yeah if you don't you know kind of segment it that way then you know like simulation games could be considered learning games right but, that's what i was gonna say actually but they're really like that's not really their intent they just happen to be firmly grounded in reality so when you do something in that game it may teach you something but it's not necessarily their goal to do that yeah so so maybe that's it maybe we just focus it kind of like uh steve i think said it like a story focused game is based on the developer's goal for it to be story focused. Even if mm-hmm. the story is garbage or we don't like it and we, maybe we only like the gameplay, if it's the, the, the developer's goal for it to be story focused, that's what it is. So like, let's think about it as a learning game or a, you know, educational game. It's the focus is to teach you something. That's the intent of it. Ooh, you know, I don't play. I, I, I can't say I've played any games like that recently at least not that come to mind but you know who does alpha beta gamer oh he plays everything he plays everything yeah and he played one game i i remember i think i showed it to you guys it was a game where you're basically playing uh you're playing chess or checkers or something with this old lady or this old either this old this old person and it's it's implied that this old person is your spouse and the room like as you play there's like shouting and screaming outside and gunfire and then like you hear explosions and the power goes out and she lights a match or she lights a a candle and you guys keep playing and then like you hear banging on the door and she holds your hand and the game ends and it's like congratulations you've learned about what it's like to live in a war you know, oh, yeah. interesting. It, it was so hardcore and it's like a five minute game. And that's the only reason it exists is to to teach you 
also to like elicit, I think that emotional response, like you really feel kind of like scared and tense while you're, I was just watching him play, you know, it's a five or 10 minute video. And I was like devastated afterwards. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that's good that the experience came across so heavily. Yeah. Yeah. There's a game called, I think it's train, train car. I, I don't Kyle, you may be aware of it. If do you know Jane McGonagall? Uh, um, she she's like not a, by name. She's like a Minerva a, McGonagall. She's a luminaire in the game development industry. Like every GDC, she has a talk. Every GDC, she's like a highlight speaker. She's a really like important person. And uh, she made this game called I think it was called Train. And basically, the the game is it's a board game, I believe, and you're trying to like make your train line more efficient and the train mm. line is for moving people, right? It's the train. But the backstory is you're in Nazi Germany and you're trying to optimize how many people are sent to um, camps. And, wow. and the thing is like, as you get better at the game, you're also like, you can't, you fundamentally can't get away from the con- the consequences of your action mm-hmm. because it's like little pieces of people and you put it in the train and they get sent and then you know th- you know they're being killed you know it's like whoa like wow it's uh that's a, a that's game heavy. wow so you learn about trains and the holocaust yeah yeah and and I don't think she ever produced it i just think it's one game that she she owns or something. Uh, yeah. Well, it's not like something that would be at like an art installation or something. Yeah. So I don't think many people have played it. Um, that also reminds me of Papers, Please. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where you that, learn, I think you learn how to be a, a border officer, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's 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 one of those things, and uh, where. Like there's there's people who are doing learning learning and educational games in a way that's you know trying to teach you something meaningful, <laughs> right? In these rare, I, I, I dare say, rare circumstances. But I feel mm-hmm. like the majority of quote unquote learning games fall within a career space. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like what? Like like if you think about it as a child, almost every game in a way is a learning game you know right because you don't know anything yeah (laughs) yeah you don't know anything so oh this is how a gun works oh this is how grenades work oh this is how jumping (laughs) you know like this is how cause and effect works you know like exactly so you're learning so every game kind of falls in there so anytime you play something you're just like oh this is fun because i'm learning something but like i feel like most quote-unquote learning games for adults are purely focused on skill enablement yeah and i think yeah Oh, I'm sorry. I was I cut. You yeah, off. Go, yeah ahead. go ahead, Kyle. Yeah. Now, so I was gonna. You made me think of. You know, I think that's just because of like, as you get older, finding a state of play becomes a little bit more difficult. You know, because when when you're a kid, pretty much everything you do that isn't restricted is more or less playing. And so, like, once you get older and you begin to realize, you know, certain, you you understand things more than. When you're doing like a business task, like you're not playing, but then like if you work at a supermarket, right? You're, you're, you're a cashier, you hate your job. 
But then <laughs> you true. go to Home Depot and they have like this whole supermarket play toy. And kids are like, yeah, let me ring you up. You got 30 loaves of bread, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm not getting paid for this job, but this is fun. You know, that's what kids are saying. And so, but I do have an example of a game that I think was successful and is career focused. Okay. If we're still talking about it. Yeah, that. yeah, man. Hit me. <laughs> and I played it recently because I was recently doing like a little research, I guess, on the state of gamification as it is. I didn't do very much, so don't ask me any questions about it because I don't know. But one of the questions, I mean, one of the games that I came across was actually for Domino's Pizza, hmm. I think. Or was it Pizza Hut? Anyway. I love where this is going. <laughs> anyway, so it's like a new member orientation. And it's super, like, serious in a way. But at the same time, you know, you can tell that, you know, they, they know you're not going to take it as seriously. But... So there's like different tasks to do. But what got me was, you know, uh, it's it's kind of hard to explain, I guess. But it wasn't like, you know, reading about pizza dough. And, you know, in 1974, mm-hmm. the first man created pizza dough by mistake, you know, in his bathroom. Yeah. Like you didn't you didn't learn that stuff. <laughs> but instead, it like brought you to kind of into a play area. Where it was like a sandbox of making pizzas. Interesting. Because I guess fundamentally, like the most interesting part about working at a pizza place, I would think, is, you know, crafting the pizzas. You know? Maybe I would say eating the pizzas. Well, you're not supposed well, to do that if you're working, working there. <laughs> <laughs> I you're think the you worst. That's why I don't work at a pizza place. <laughs> like, well, my favorite, my best part of working at Pizza Hut is eating the pizzas. Just every time it orders, they just I'm eat full of pepperoni. <laughs> They're like, yeah, get out, you're fired. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. What do you mean I wasn't supposed to eat the pizzas after I made them? <laughs> but anyway, so what it does is like, you know, it brings you through the assembly line, but at each phase, it's like. So the first thing you're going to need is the dough. And rather than like making you do some weird mini game of preparing the dough, it's already prepared because, like you know, and so then you go to adding toppings and they're like, you know, you need to add a, a flat surface of cheese and make sure it's evenly spread. But they, they meant that, you know, but they write it in a way that's more interesting. And it's just enough text where it's like, OK, and then they let you do it. You know, it's not like you click a button, the cheese is added. Like mm-hmm. you add the cheese yourself and it's checking to see, you know, if you covered the area and it gives you like feedback. So it's like, oh, so I can be better at putting cheese down. And then um, you go through the meats and they're like, you know, even coverage of meats, make sure that there's flavor in every bite. And so they're like, there was flavor text about the flavor in the meat. And I was like, <laughs> somebody really thought about writing this rather than saying, just make sure there's enough meat on the pizza, but not too much because, you know. That's got to come out of your paycheck if somebody gets one extra piece of sausage. Right. And so rather than beat your head, you know, beat you over the head with like rules and regulations and stuff, it kind of incentivized in the game, you know, to do better at making the pizza. And so at the very end ish, I think it was the end. They were like, you know, you're doing great. But one of uh, the main skills or like what are our, our pizza makers aspire to be is like you know we have somebody that makes a pizza in like 60 seconds or something like that like with all the toppings or or they were, maybe it was 10 seconds or something something, something crazy something but it was like number 
Yeah, but then it, it, it like gave you a little bit of like competition there at the end too, rather than like you go through all that stuff and then get a quiz. Like how many ounces of meat were you supposed to put on the pizza? You know? mm-hmm. And so it's like somebody went through it and was like, you know, these parts of the experience are what makes or what sucks all the fun out of it, and they removed those. So it was fun. It was fun. You played For what it? it was. It was fun. So you played you it. Play, you played it. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Uh, I don't know how, but somebody just posted the link in the article I was reading. So okay, I was able to access it. It didn't. It kind of didn't seem like I was supposed to be able to see it. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, uh, "We just, you know, it's like you get sent like a link to an internal link to a website <laughs> that should not allow you on there, but you're just in the company's page, uh-huh. like <laughs> downloading data." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think that's like, to, okay, so to me, I feel like that's it. That's the game that, okay, if you want from a corporate sense, if you want to do training, like, like make it a simulation type game, right? Like, yeah. I, I think one of the, co- I, I can't remember where I heard this or read this, but somebody was like arguing for kids playing games, right? Because, you know, parents are always mm-hmm. like, it's just violence. And they become crackheads. And they know they just fight each other. Like, have you ever seen a kid who plays video games? They ain't fight nobody. Nobody. <laughs> you yeah, know? Who needs crack? When you have Oregon Trail. <laughs> when you got Oregon Trail. You know? So, well, they, you did got sell, they did sell crack on Oregon Trail. I don't know no if kidding. you know about that's like this. No, I'm absolutely joking. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, maybe opiates, but crack like, seems pretty extreme. He's like, man, I need to play Oregon Trail. <laughs> <laughs> does, it, does it run? on linux <laughs> that game is fire but uh, does it run on linux thank you um <laughs> so but he was just saying like the reason games sh- kids need to play games is because it, te- it it puts them in an environment where they can learn to fail safely mm-hmm. right it teaches yeah. them uh-huh. how to fail um and i feel like in a working environment failure is like the worst case scenario Right. Like, yes, you never, ever want to miswrite an email or copy the wrong people or have a bunch of typos or do something present in badly in a meeting. And not even once, not even once like that's like. So what 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 it makes you is risk averse in general. Right. And sure. yeah. And as a person who maybe you're not super comfortable with public speaking, you're not going to take the chance. You're just going to like if the opportunity comes, you're gonna be like, ah, I'll pass on that. And I feel like. The best type of learning games are what you just were describing, Kyle, where it's like you get a chance to try it. It explains to you what's happening. Like maybe it's a uh, a speech game, right? And mm-hmm. you're up in the front and it gives you dialogue text options or you do this or you do that. But it, it kind of mimics it in a way that, you know, there is like a fail condition because I think in order to be a game, you need to have a failure condition. But the, sure. but the failure is like, cool. You want to try again? You want to try to be better? You want to try to get an S rank? You know, like, instead of you failed, you got to take all, you got to watch the whole quiz video again. (laughs) (laughs) You know? And I think. Oh, go ahead. I've already spoken. It's your turn. No, go go ahead, Kyle. You start talking. I'm going to change the subject, so you go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, just to piggyback off of what Brad said just now, I, I agree, you know, that there has to be some sort of end state for a game to actually feel like a game because like if it if it goes on forever then you know like what's the point 
And so, so yeah, I think like either a fail state or like if there's a time limit and you, you know, there's a score you're trying to reach, maybe there's a, even a target score that you don't reach, mm-hmm. you know, to get to the S rank. But like, but I agree that, you know, the, to the whole thing about failure, especially when at, you know, the price of failure is, you know, they, they say, well, you're inadequate. And so go become more adequate. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then and then if it's directly tied to something that you have to do, right? Yeah. Like, oh, like it's a year end, you know, safety thing or da da da. You know, like you don't go into that with the mindset of, oh, like let me experiment. Like, oh, like I'm doing a safety thing. Well, let me see what happens if I put my hand in the the boiling liquid, right? Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. like you know, like fun. And and you know what? <laughs> it sounds fun. It could teach you in the game. Doing that could completely ruin your life. Matter of fact, you yes. put it in there. Let me show you what happens. Oh, here's an example of what happened to somebody in real life when they did that. Like, okay. 100%. You know, I'm not going to do that. Let me try to do this. What, you know? What you do is you have the character scream in agony. And then he looks <laughs> at his hand and, like, you know, boils are starting to appear on his hands. And he's, like, clutching his wrist. And he just keeps screaming. And then the game just Ooh. abruptly ends. <laughs> And the whole sequence is unskippable. Unskippable. And then it it cuts to the Dark Souls, you died. (laughs) And like one of the prerequisites in the game is like you have to keep your laptop audio on. So (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. So I have a I have a proposal for another potentially excellent game idea. Alright. Let's hear it. So one time I played this game that wasn't that much fun. It was it was a corporate learning game, and uh, it was essentially a board game where you would roll a die, and you had to move your pieces across the board, and then wherever you landed, it would ask you a question. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, Kyle? Maybe so. <laughs> Wait. Yeah. You didn't play the leadership game, did you? I think you let me play one of the games you were building while you were building it. Oh, yeah. 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 I, yeah. I, I remember this game. <laughs> and... It was super well polished, but I think one thing it really was missing, at least when I played it, was competition. And Brad mentioned it earlier, mentioned competition. Mm-hmm. So I think you can either have a simulation game, because like think about most trivia games, right? Like uh, Trivia Pursuit. It's essentially a board game where you roll a die and you run around the board and you answer questions, right? Am I wrong? Yeah. I think that's it. Yeah, yeah. Most, most, a lot of games are like, a lot of board games are like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, how much fun would it be, even if the questions are stupid, like, you know, what was the first virus to attack a corporate entity? You know, it's like something super boring and dry. If, you know, if it came from some, if there's some expectation that you would know that material, even a little bit, mm-hmm. and other people are with you who know it about as well as you do, and there's a chance they'll get it right or get it wrong. Yeah. Like, even... Especially if there's like a fun victory or a fun loss, like oh you have to dance in a circle if you get it wrong, or you don't get to move or whatever. Like the competition, especially if you're playing with people you like. I guess if you play with people you don't like, it's not gonna be fun anyway. But you can make something right. really fun just by adding a little competition. You know, you know, it's yeah. it's interesting that you say that because, uh, and and Kyle, you probably remember this. Remember when I made that Black History quiz game i do 
So, mm-hmm. so, and, and Steve, you were there when I did that? I can't remember what the time I, was. I remember that it happened, but I can't actually picture the game. So I don't know how much interaction <laughs> I had with it. So, so <laughs> essentially, there was a period of time, uh, period of time right before I left IBM. I came back later, but <laughs> I made this game and basically it was a real time game where I, uh, so essentially we had a black history event at IBM and I was asked, Hey, can you help with a game? I said, sure. Like a, you know, something fun for black history. So I made a game that essentially everybody could play at the same time. Right. And what it was is you just pulled your phone out and in real time, I would ask you a question and everybody would see the questions pop up at the same time. It's kind of like, uh, what's that game? Kahoot. Um, it's like Kahoot. Kahoot. Yeah. It's just like Kahoot, but like black history focused. I didn't know Kahoot existed, so they owe me money, but, um, <laughs> they stole my idea, but, um, they came after. They stole IBM's idea. Mm, Ooh. That's true. They own everything. But, um, so essentially what it was was just black history questions, right? Like, Everybody in the room was there for the Black History event. They were just kind of, you know, they're casually, you know, people are sharing things, talking, speeches. And everyone could pull out their phone. It was accessible, right? Everybody could use it. You could do it on your laptop, your phone, whatever. And I'd ask a question, and it would be like a kind of a trick question, right? Like, Mm -hmm. who was the first person to do this? And then I'd have two people who you might think either one of them could be right, you know? And, And I think what's, like, cool about that and even what you're talking about, Steve... Is that if you make the questions engaging fundamentally yeah. in themselves, I think you can make a trivia game like fun versus a trivia quiz, which feels more like a mechanical, you know, right. like a test. Right. And yeah. and then also the stakes are very low at a, the Black History event, if you get it wrong, you get it wrong. If you get it right, you get it right. And a lot of it was just bragging rights. I was like, how many people got it right? And they're like, oh, I got 10 right. I got five. You know, they're, they're just excited, mm-hmm. you know. Um, was there a leaderboard? <laughs> we can Ooh. talk about leaderboards. For real. <laughs> That's a, there was no leaderboard. It was a, it was a, a community leaderboard where people shared how many they got amongst each other in their group of friends. So, uh, okay. <laughs> but not a, no, absolutely not. Never. Wait, why not? You you want me to get into leaderboards? Kyle, Kyle you want to talk about leaderboards? Well, 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 I'm just saying like in a board game, <laughs> in Trivia Pursuit, you can see who's ahead, right? You see on the board where they are. Okay. And that, so it, it engenders a competition. But if I'm just sitting in a, gr- in a group of people and everyone's raising their hand saying, I got it right or wrong, like I'm a lot less invested. So... I think there was a score of some to some degree. There, there's no scoring mechanism. I didn't know who got what. You, it was a personal. Oh, it was local. It was local. It was so that honor, was an yeah. honor base. It was and, so you could tell right? me ten, but people don't tend to lie about how they sure. did. You know, unless they're very. I'm not. I'm not worried about anyone. Very. There was nothing at stake. So, so okay, let's talk about leaderboards here for a second. Um, I, do, do, Kyle, you want to go on this, or you want me to go ahead and you could just jump in as you feel. Um, I, I take it. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. So, so let's talk about leaderboards. So something that has, that I think is very common within learning games, especially in the corporate world, even outside of the company I'm in and I've seen it outside and is leaderboards. And the concept is if we make a leaderboard, it engenders competition, right? Like Mm -hmm. you go, Hey, this person is doing better than me. I'm doing better than them. Oh, I want to stay at the top of the leaderboard. Well, leaderboards can do that. Uh, yeah. Video game leaderboards exist, 
and they do that. But let me ask you this, anybody who wants the answer. Think of a game that has a leaderboard. Have you ever once in your life tried to reasonably be within the top 100, top 10, top 1,000 of any <laughs> game's leaderboard ever? You mean so like a global leaderboard? A global leaderboard. A, a national leaderboard. A state yeah, leaderboard. Yeah, a statewide leaderboard, sure, yeah. I will uh, say I try to be towards the top of local leaderboards. Okay, what's local? Um, what's local mean to you? So to me, local would be... So I just recently got a PlayStation 5, and I started playing Astro's Playroom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as you play through that game, you unlock speedrun competition stages. And at first I was avoiding them because I thought they were just like reruns of the stages themselves. But they're actually not. They're completely different. And so um, if you have that game, Ooh, it's pretty fun. It's content. pretty it's, Yeah, it's pretty fun platforming sections. But anyway, and so I went through one of them. And I was like, ah, I guess that was fine. But then on the final page of the results, I saw that two people that I'm connected to on on PlayStation Plus, or I guess PlayStation in general, both have the game, and one of them had a higher had a faster time than me. And at that moment, I was invested. Okay. So local means amongst your friends doesn't mean yes. in your neighborhood. Local means. Yeah, so to local to me just means that the pool is a reasonable size that I feel like I could compete because especially on the global scales, the the worst thing I think is when people cheese the leaderboards. <laughs> they find a hack or something and get or a perfect score. They're just so score. good that like they they can get whatever score they want. Yeah, and so that I think that would be the second thing that keeps me away from global leaderboards is that some people have nothing but time to invest into this thing. Sure. And so I have no, I have no, I have no business competing with them. Yes. It's, so, so you, you described immediately what I think is a problem with leaderboards. Leaderboards have to, for the most part, to be enjoyable for 99% of the people have to be local, right? It has to be mm-hmm. like you were saying, Steve, if there's a, a leaderboard, quote unquote, um, within the Black History Trivia game, it has to be localized to everybody in that room who's currently yeah. playing the game at the time, right? Because sure. because everybody who's in that room would probably say that they're all equal competitors, right? They're all friends. For them, it's like bragging rights. It's something fun yeah. that they can talk about. Hey, remember, you know, and maybe it's temporal. Like, they're not going to talk about it two years from now. Remember that time I beat you in the Black History <laughs> <laughs> You still try it. You still try it. I still don't know about Martin Luther King. You do. You know, um, <laughs> maybe that's not what they're planning to do. But it's local. The problem with with companies is that that is something that is very hard to communicate, right? Yeah. Because number one, local means that the people that you know. And number two, that means that everybody that you know who would be reasonably within your sphere of influence also has to participate at the same level of engagement as, mm. as everybody else. Because right, because some people just don't want to play. Some people don't care. They'll play once or twice, and maybe once. Maybe it's, let's imagine the learning game is something that's really fun, right? And it's you know, lo- everybody in your local office likes it. But even within that, there's people who are just going to be more invested, and some who are not, right? Yes. If it's an all-time leaderboard, now time. Okay, so first I want to talk about locality about leaderboards. That's really important. Locality, global leaderboards. I think most people. Unless you're that type of person, 
global leaderboards, you're like, absolutely not. I'm not trying to beat people in Japan, in Brazil. Right. <laughs> like, I'm good. Like, I, no. I can barely be, be, beat people in my household, right? And so that's, so I think locality is really important. The next is time. All-time leaderboards that are additive are the worst type of leaderboards that could ever exist because yeah. they are fundamentally demotivating after a point if you're not a person who is always engaged right right sure that yeah. point you can never catch soon. up you can never catch up in corporate companies and businesses love all-time leaderboards how <laughs> <laughs> like like oh like who has done the most learning over the past year right like man good luck catching up with the guy who's already got 150 hours of learning in january <laughs> you know what right. I'm saying? like okay cool i'm not even gonna try no more you know what I'm saying? So. Ooh, that reminds me of AR back in, in elementary school. Oh, yeah. I was that boy. I was the one winning for the entire You'd, grade. AR? You were the one? Accelerated reading program. Uh, oh. AR? Yeah, I was never. I would read the three books, and I see somebody read 15 in the first month, and I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I was the one who read 15. I was the one who crushed everyone's Man. dreams. Yes, yes, you know. So, so but, I would read but, one of the three. But here's the thing with AR, which was good, was that they had some prizes for like being the top, like the best, but they had yeah. some prizes that were more inclusive. So it was anyone who got over this number. So even people who might be demotivated to try to beat me would still be motivated to like get 100 points to get a t-shirt or be part of the pizza party or that's whatever good but 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 see that's the it's trying to counteract the problem that a leaderboard <laughs> creates that's, <laughs> that's true fine. but but if they successfully counteract it isn't that a good thing no i, I mean I, I sure but i think the problem is that like leaderboards are i think in most cases not good ways to motivate a learner. I don't know. I'm saying a lot. Kyle, what are, what are your opinions about leaderboard? I got so many problems with leaderboard. <laughs> so I think fundamentally, yes, leaderboard, a leaderboard solo is should not be the core mechanic or the core, I guess, place that people are going to look for their motive to continue. Right. I, I think if it works in tandem, like with what Steve was saying, you know, there's other achievements that can be reached other milestones that can be reached within the leaderboard to where you don't have to interact with the leaderboard yeah i think low that's milestones fine. too like 10 points 50 points yeah because i think i think there's both i think you, you mentioned both demographics or all the demographics brett of who would be interested in the leaderboard <clears throat> some people are going to want that all-time leaderboard and so for them you have it and but you don't force people the other 99% of people, <laughs> not. Mm-hmm. You don't force them to, to interact with it. Uh, you give them alternatives, I guess. But see, th- I think that's also the reason why, you know, when somebody mentions leaderboard, people treat it like it's something that's very um, simple. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. They're, super, they're complex by nature because they, there has to be a balance to them. Sure. I guess I should say... Earlier, when I naively mentioned leaderboards, <laughs> all I really was asking was, was there a way to show like who was winning in the game? And he already answered the question. Now that I don't appreciate the leaderboard discussion, I just wanted to be clear that I'm not like pro leaderboard. Like I definitely agree <laughs> with all the problems you have with it. Sure, fifteen this, books, glasses, this, this, Steve. That's what I'm saying. This Dang. boy is pro leaderboard. 
I mean, I'm not proud. <laughs> I, I mean, if you were the guy at the I'm top not even, of the list, you you're pro leaderboard. I'm not even pro. Uh, what is it that Smash Bros has now? GSP. I'm not even pro GSP. Yeah, what's your GSP looking like right now? I don't even. I haven't played since Kazuya came out. I could not tell you. <laughs> Liar. Look, I, look, look. This this is how I feel about it though. It's like <laughs> at the end of the day, like I think the problem with most learning learning games is that the people who are behind the initiatives or the ideas or the goals or anything are not people who are fundamentally game developers. Because I promise you, Oregon Trail, Math Blasters, Sam, yeah. Pajama Sam, like these guys, <laughs> like they are game developers. So they right, they right. go in there with the mindset of like, we are going to make a game. And yes, we might have a motive. We have a goal. We might want you to learn a thing. But fundamentally, we may need to make the game fun. And the learning will be secondary. Because when I play Apex Legends and I want to get better, I'm not necessarily thinking to myself, okay, like how how fast is a button click? Da, 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 da. I'm more just like, I want to be better at the game. And yeah. And a part of being better at the game is learning how to play the game better. So I'm going to be better at the game. So, you know. How many people do you think at the top of these corporate chains of command that want these games? How many of them do you think actually play the games that are made? Yeah, I would say less than zero. Less than zero. (laughs) (laughs) They somehow anti-play. How do you negatively... They're barely aware. Oh, of they're them. destroying other people's copies. <laughs> <laughs> other people play the game and they forget. The the experience is taken from them. <laughs> Did I play God of War? I can't remember. Like that, that reminds me of Willy Wonka. The second book had people have negative age in that book, and they go to like a negative world, like where people exist when they have negative age. What? What? How does that work? Rodal was uh yeah, Rodal was absolutely the BFG. The BFG is one of those books where you're like, wait a second, this book's about giants eating children, like yeah. straight up. <laughs> really? Yes. Hundreds. Wasn't there a movie that was recently made about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Steven Spielberg. That's that's the that's the conflict is the 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 giant protects the kids from other giants. Yeah, they literally <sighs> snatch you out your bed when you're sleeping. And take you to their country and eat you. Or they might eat you on I mean, the spot. It just kind of depends. The witches, they turn That's children horrible. into mice and step on you. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Matilda was probably pretty jacked up in the book, too. I don't probably. know. It was, we, me, and, me and Shailene just watched Matilda. And that show is, that movie is jacked up in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> the pro- that movie's like, what, 30 years old? Man. Yes. Yes. Um, Dude, Danny DeVito narrates the movie. Yes. Can you believe yeah. that? Yeah. So strange. <laughs> a treasure. It's so strange. And he's also the neglectful, terrible parent. Yeah. yeah. It's like, are you the hero? Like, why are you the one? Why are you the one telling us about her happy ending? You're, I know, right? You were the problem. They were like, hey, we go. Danny DeVito is always the hero. He really is. He really is in some way. They were like, we want to save our budget. We wanted to have Morgan Freeman narrate it. But you right. know, Morgan Freeman was entering his peak <laughs> during the. So who's second best? Danny DeVito. He's already in the movie. We don't have to pay him twice. <laughs> or more. Or more. They probably keep the camera rolling while he's reading, so he doesn't know this is going to be. He's like, hey, do you mind just reading this, like, so we in can this get a scene, feel for it? You read to Matilda about herself. He's like, yeah, we we want you to go ahead and just read it, so that we can when we hire somebody to actually do it, they know how to do it right. He's like, sure, absolutely. Okie doke, got him. I'm right, you're wrong. I'm big, you're small. 
<laughs> so, oh, man. so you know what's interesting, Kyle, about your question about how many people at the top? I, I think that's like, I think that's kind of the the difficulty with a lot of uh, training in general is that mm-hmm. there's a separation between the person who's mandating the training and the person who's like being trained. Yeah, who's being trained. Consuming it. Right? Consuming it, right? So sure. be- because you know, you're not necessarily going to ask the new guy to determine how the training is going to be done, but the new guy needs to have a say on what's beneficial. There should be like an exit interview, right? Like, hey, like how was the Domino's training? Like, oh, it was really good. It taught me. How was the pizza training? Oh, man, it was really bad. I don't, you know, like, yeah. and without the fear of getting in trouble, you know. Um, right. And also, I think for any any team or any group or any person who's going to go into a gamification ex, uh, um, effort, they don't need. Okay. Also, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going on tangents, but I believe that the whole idea of a gamification expert is a scam for mo- the most part. <laughs> I think mo- most of the people who claim to be experts in the ga- learning game world are con artists. Oh, yeah. Nice. That's just my personal opinion. I don't, 3Ms, a.k.a. Kyle, you were just looking into this. What do, what do you think about this? Since you know everything, you, you should be able to answer this question. <laughs> Well, since I am an SME on the on the matter, <laughs> check check me out on my website to see all about learning games. No, uh, so website I I agree <laughs> that see that actually be pretty awesome if it was, but I agree you know that just because th- the way that a lot of I'm not gonna say all because I'm sure there's a there's plenty of people who out there are trying to do the right thing that just have no sort of platform. But the ones who are marketing themselves as thought leaders in the gamification space are pandering to what corporations want to hear Mm -hmm. as far as, you know, making these games. Because the vast majority of them that if you just type in gamification, you know, in, in Google, the ones that come up first are horrendous as far as actually succeeding at teaching anyone anything but they are very successful at looking like mainstream games yeah and that's hmm. that's that's at least that's my thoughts on it so, so i mean i guess in my, my let me ask you the follow-up question what does that mean to look like mainstream games like how are they you know pulling the wool you know what i'm saying like how are they getting this triple a gaming right so in, in most cases, they don't have the budget for, you know, AAA. However, asset flips, I'm sure nobody oh, listening no. to this <laughs> podcast and neither of you guys are unaware of what asset flips are. Well, what are asset so, flips? To define it. Yes. For, yeah, what's for an asset it? flip, sir? Teach me. So an asset flip in a game is when someone has $100 and a really, really cool story idea. <laughs> so, so, okay, so they download, <laughs> they download one of the free um, game development platforms, Unity or Unreal, and they watch a handful of Bracky's tutorials and realize that they actually don't know how to code. So they find someone on Fiverr mm-hmm. who has coded a game, and they actually haven't coded a game either. They just steal other people's code. And so they hire this person on Fiverr, and they pay them fifteen dollars, 
And then they use the other $75 to buy very pretty pre-made 3D assets. Very generic looking, but also very nice. And they put them into their game and try to pass it off as something completely unique. Mm. And, and polished all the, and handmade. And, exactly. Yet all of the assets that went into building this game have been flipped into their new intellectual property. Yeah, that that sounds like a good definition. And I, I think one of the, the parts of the, I'm going to just adding to that definition, is that they also are aware of their audience and their audience ignorance of what games are. Because mm-hmm. it's kind of like they know what games look like, but they've never played a game. So they don't know what makes a game fun or not fun, good or bad. So even if you were to show them a demo of a half-made, terrible-looking game that clearly doesn't work, they don't really know because they've (laughs) never seen a working game. They don't know what works. So it's like the perfect scenario because you have these these people, and they generally tend to be um, of the older demographic, who Senior. who also are relatable to the people who are probably running these companies, bigger running divisions and stuff. Like, oh, yeah, like we associate. And, yeah, you understand that these kids playing Minecraft, they don't know anything, right? So th- mm-hmm. there's, there's that relatability. And then there's a the lack of understanding of what a game is. And sometimes those people are making learning games and don't know what games are. Like, genuinely. Like. Genuinely. Genuinely. You know? Thank you. <laughs> One more. <laughs> we just needed that. Yeah. And, and I don't know. I feel like it's... Well, let me ask you guys this. What do you think is the solution to, like, adult learning games? Because I think kid learning games, they there's no problem. Like, I think people are solid. You know? Like, I see stuff that my niece plays, and I'm like, yo, I want to play that game. <laughs> like, right. like, legit looks fun. Yeah. Like, I, I don't... I know my shapes, but I want to do this <laughs> you know i want to play i still want to play the games i played as a kid yes yes i'm thinking i'm thinking again. about the incredible machine right now like genuinely how can i find <laughs> a copy you know um so what do you guys think is the solution to the adult learning game problem like how can maybe a more general rule that you probably think you know a company could use or a developer you know hmm. i think what's moving good learning games forward is the uh, being open to scenario-based learning. Because one thing that we talked about a whole lot already is the idea of a quiz as the method to find out if someone has learned something. But I think as we move away from here's your knowledge check after reading something you know, and move more to this is what I want someone to do. Let me create something. And it doesn't even have to be that robust. You know, you can click through images and get the idea of how to create something. But it's missing when you don't have what a scenario allows you to do is things that we've described already. You know, just this conversation. We give them the opportunity to have failure states or to make the wrong decisions to see what happens when they experiment. You know, and then at the end of it, have gone through the process that when they leave that learning, they need to apply to their job. Or so, 
So what you're describing is, say that we're trying to learn about GDPR, right? Mm -hmm. So instead of a trivia, like a bunch of videos or whatever, or reading, followed by a quiz, maybe it's a bunch of videos and reading followed by uh, scenarios where you have to make decisions, Ooh, like a text-based game. I like that. It's like your your client comes to you and says, "We need we need the information on these customers. What do you do? So, you know, and you have options. Exactly." Because we can make an Oregon Trail. We can make a text-based <laughs> game where if you're wrong, you get dysentery and you get fired. <laughs> Both. Yeah. 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 I mean, and you know, it's funny. Like, I think something that, like, that sounds really cool. And then I was even thinking, what if we stepped, took a step back, and instead of doing the videos and the reading prior to you playing the game, why don't you just play the game? Like, mm -hmm. like, think about... And have, like, the manual nearby. Yeah, like, think about how, like, really good tutorials are done in games. And, and tutorials are difficult in general, even in non-learning game games. Um, but, like, think about how you uh, onboard a person to play a game. Like, you enter them into a play a space where they can do just one task and, like, get comfortable with yeah. that. And then you add another task. And you add another task. And then, eventually, you have all these elements. You got... You know, if you take something like a uh, portal, right? You start with like portal two, like, oh, you start with these portals and then you get the glues, the goos, and then you, you know, and then you start stacking and stacking and they're learning the whole time, right? Like what if it's a GDPR game where you start on the simplest level of something somebody could learn? Like, oh, we want you to manage data received from a customer. What do you do? Like, and you're like, oh, I guess I just delete it. Or, you know, like immediately <laughs> that's wrong. Okay, cool. You know. You, oh, yeah. You know, so you're there'd be a button. There's there's a button that literally is just like use the data for whatever your company does. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, like just get, and you just push it every couple minutes because someone has a legitimate request and they want their data. Yeah, and you get you just and give them the scenario is. so they realize that they learn the results while they're playing. You know, like learn that your actions have consequences. And the best part of a text-based game is you don't need a lot of high-quality assets. You just no. need writing. Uh, and it also lends itself to RNG, which is great because uh, that can make the game mm -hmm. more interesting. Mm -hmm. And that would be more difficult if like there was a, well, it, maybe it wouldn't be more difficult, but you can, you can iterate faster through different scenarios, through, through writing different scenarios if it's just text. Hmm. Yeah, Dang. you don't even have to be like a great writer for a text-based game. And a lot of text, a lot of text-based games that I've seen, and even like you know games that just have a lot of text in them, <clears throat> they they tend to do better whenever the text isn't trying so hard. Mm. You know, yeah. when when they want me to get information, and that's what they give me, those are the best experiences. Because I understand you know wanting to wrap around wrap wrap it around a story and having your narrative, and I think to a degree. And even for the, what was it, the GDPR? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even for that game, you know, there could be some overarching story, like you're part of this corporation. I, You know, but you don't have to shove that down somebody's throat every moment in their learning game experience. That's real. That's real. Yeah, it's kind of like in a, a good movie when they're writing, uh, like, they're trying to introduce you to a character who has, like, financial issues and maybe health issues. Uh, mm -hmm. A good movie, what they don't do is, like, you come in, and the character is sitting in their house and they get a phone call like, hey, hey, Steve. Oh, man, I'm really struggling with all my financial issues and me being <laughs> sick because of my job at the plant. You know, like that's like 
terrible writing, right? Okay, bye. (laughs) You know, bye. Talk to you later. Like good writing is the person's in there just walking through their kitchen, heading out the door, and you just see a whole bunch of letters with red notices and, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe a poster from the the plant that they worked at, like get ahead or they're wearing the PPE, you know. Safe, you know, production first, safety second, you know, like immediately you get the vibe. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I wonder, you know, like you let the people bring the pieces together. Um, but, you know, and that's something that isn't integral to what you're going to be doing either in a lot of a lot of cases. And and in, in great in just to kind of pick back off of that in good movies, you know, if they really want you to get the point, then they'll keep dropping subtle hints like mm-hmm. that. So you won't just have the one opportunity to get it and be like, oh, why is he sick all of a sudden? You're usually not going to get to that point either. True, true. Like they do a good job of drip feeding it through scenarios, through maybe he was just Mm -hmm. coughing lightly, you know, and he opens it up and there's a little bit of blood in his tissue, but he just puts it in his pocket like to so somebody else doesn't see it or something like, oh, like, why is he hiding that? That seems pretty severe. You know, like there might be little pieces, you know, and I think. Yeah. Yeah. There's ways you can go with that. Where you said Steve? I was just, it was just a comment. I was just saying, yeah, you, that's one way you can go about doing that. <laughs> the guy with blood in his pocket. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, you know, one thing I was thinking about, like, when thinking about how do you make a good learning game is similar to, okay, licensed licensed games. You ever mm-hmm. hear about, like, the licensed games that do well versus the ones that don't do well? Like, do you, have you ever heard about the dynamic between the studio that's making the game and the person who owns the license, like mm. generally how that dynamic works, it's generally like like a good game. For example, let's take Arkham Asylum, like the original Batman game, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of the Warner Brothers overly in DC, overly like, hey, we want to make sure that Batman looks like this and Batman's this tall and Batman has, you know, like they were like, hey, we sure. trust that you guys are going to do what you need to do. Like. We want you to make sure you don't break these rules. Batman doesn't have superpowers. Batman, you know what I'm saying? But they doesn't kill exactly. Like so, you you basically give them the rules, and then you trust <laughs> <laughs> you trust them with it. You know, like maybe corporations need to trust like the right people to do the job and like back off. Mm. You know? Yeah. Sure. That's just that's just good management or bad management, though. Right. Yeah. And a lot of that comes in the handoff because <clears throat> I think if you if you give somebody just a little bit of information, then you might not trust that they could get it done on their own because you didn't supply them with enough. And so you feel like you have to keep your hands in the pie mm-hmm. the whole time. And so I think a big part of it is like equipping equipping the people who you trust to mm. do it. Yeah. You or, or or embedding a SME, a subject matter expert who is just right. in an advisory role on the team. Like, they just answer questions. They don't give any input on what you're doing. It's like, hey, like, how does GDPR, GDPR work in this country? How does GDPR work in that? Instead of being like, hey, like, make this GDPR game, but you need to make it for our company. Okay, cool. What does that mean? Uh, We'll tell, you know, and then you make something like, no, 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 it needs to be like this. And it needs to be like that. It's like, mm-hmm. why didn't you tell me this information? Like, from the jump, you know, or, you know, I don't know, like... Yeah, because sometimes it's not intuitive, but it is something that they've always, or seemed to, have always had an opinion about, mm-hmm. but just didn't, weren't forthcoming with the information. And I, and I could, I could say, you know, to a degree, that might be on the game developer, you know, to ask the right questions in the beginning, 
but it doesn't behoove anyone to withhold any information. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. That's for real. Like it doesn't like, but I think people who are not good planners <laughs> are also like people who are like really high level. They don't want to sit down and write a long document that gives you all this information. They just want to give you right. what they need to give you in the time that they might see you for the 10 minutes and then, you know, <laughs> yeah. Or have a five hour long meeting where they, you just argue about the color of somebody's shoes, oh, you know. Gosh. <laughs> well, okay, okay. So, so I feel like you know we're, we're kind of coming on the the tail end of our conversation. So I'm going to throw out a really random question. All right. So All right. I want everybody to, and I and I can start to give y'all time to think, like to think of if you could make a learning game, like choose a mm. topic. Don't this time, Steve. Don't use GDPR because that's a good one. I want you to do something different. Because you, well. you seem to already have a good one, but choose a topic, and like think of how you would make the the best learning game possible, like for that, for adult adult learners in particular. Okay, okay. So, so for me, it would be like teaching people. You know, how, I'll go back to my first example because I think this is a good one. Like. Uh, and I didn't really think this through, but I'm going to think through live um, is helping people to learn how to speak in public. Right. Mm, it's like mm -hmm. one of those things that I feel like, That's a tough one. like either you feel comfortable with it or you don't. And honestly, I think nobody feels comfortable with it. You just get used to it, like get used to the nervousness. You get used to the anxiousness. And I think it would be really cool to make basically a uh, a simulator game. Uh, where essentially like you have a character who's who's like going to be like trying to make their way to be the Tony Robbins, <laughs> you know, has hundreds of thousand people that they do speeches to or like a Barack <laughs> Obama who's like everybody loves hearing him and they pay millions of dollars for hear him to hear him speak. And what you do is it's kind of like an RPG. And okay. like what you do is like every day or every like every sequence ends with a battle which would be a public speaking engagement and what you do at Ooh. the beginning in your planning prep period before the fights is like you know level up certain abilities like okay cool like i'm gonna research you know what is the best way to speak in this scenario or how do i hold my hand how like practice not saying ums um you know like just little little pieces of different things and like they level up kind of mm -hmm. like in a skyrim way right um and maybe the way that you level them up is through doing some kind of practice and then in battle what it is is like you're given like a, a topic or something and then you have to give a speech on it and what happens is you go up there and you're in front of the crowd and like you say something and your whole game dynamic is reading the crowd so you're like so today we're going to talk about bug snacks and then you see the crowd like their their spirit go down like they all sigh you're like Ugh. and then like you have like three options like okay what do i do do i just bug snacks is a great game or do you say i know a lot of you guys don't like bug snacks but i feel like you know like helping people to think through scenarios and empathize and yeah and get comfortable and feel it and then they get more and more complex like so how about you're in a, a room where you don't get any feedback right like, okay, how do you choose a person in the crowd that you feed off of to get your information? Because that's what I do. When I'm in a bad room, I look for a person who is giving me feedback and I talk to them because they're going to give me, you know what I'm saying? Or mm -hmm. how do you deal with technical issues that go wrong? Okay, the mic doesn't go off. Mm -hmm. What do you do? 
uh, um, wait for the, the people in the back to turn the mic on, you know, like, and you just keep going through all these scenarios until you get to Tony Robbins level. And you're doing this, you have these crazy scenarios where it's hundreds of thousands of people, there's audio issues, there's, you know, somebody's trying to, your phone is ringing and you're just learning how to do, <laughs> you know, like it just kind of stacks. Um, and eventually like all in all of the skills that you use in the game, you would just use in real life. Like they're a hundred percent real things and like real proven practices so that would be my game you know something like okay. that. okay and it's like a I third person game. game and yeah. there's there's options there's dialogue options like in skyrim or something yeah 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 exactly exactly okay. like that mm-hmm. maybe you you pick up loot boxes and they have different microphones <laughs> in there. yeah and oh my god and, and, and even like one part <laughs> they have different microphones. and that would be and then like one part is like what do you wear for that day you know, like you choose your mm. clothing for your audience. Um, and yes, loot boxes, loot boxes on like your socks <laughs> colors. Cause I feel like in Pokemon Unite, everybody loves a good sock uh, coming out of your loot oh, box. Good pair of socks. You could have, we could wear fancy socks. <laughs> you know, that's actually really good. It's in terms of like if you're going to have loot boxes or just customization. The so- fancy socks is definitely the way to go. <laughs> fancy socks. And, and also like teaching people that it's, don't worry about what you look like, like as in like if you're black, you're white, you're tall, you're Hispanic, whatever, you know, like just mm-hmm. like you can customize yourself as much as you want. And it doesn't affect how people, you know, like, but just be aware mm-hmm. that how, what you wear might affect, you know, how people because yeah. that's true. You know, so anyway, so that's my game. Walk up in there with a tank top. On. I have a really good idea. All right, let's go. Let's go. Let's hear hey. it. Hey. All right, you're setting the bar high. Yeah, so I've already, I've, I've, the last like five or six minutes, I actually was thinking through how I would do this in an Oregon Trail or a Dark Room style game. Okay. Ooh. But then I thought of an even better mode or a better style. And this is it. Um, so the topic we would be, so this is something we, I deal with all the time is um, where I work at Avoxy, we deal with, troubleshooting so we usually i'm building features usually i'm like all right here's here's this new thing that we're trying to build and we break it into tickets and that's my job but we all kind of take turns troubleshooting we solve bugs uh, when they get thrown to us and obviously you know we're deploying once a week and so sometimes things can go catastrophically wrong and we have a live service that we're selling to people so we need to have very quick reactions and be able to like triage and solve something quickly so we do monthly game days where one guy essentially comes up with a bunch of problems that he's either seen or can imagine and he makes those things happen and we take turns trying to uh tr- you know diagnose and fix the problem and mm. small little teams of like three or four people it's pretty cool um so that's wow. i wouldn't say it's fun but it's a thing we do uh it's it's <laughs> it's kind of a nice change of pace from the the normal you described it like it's very yeah, it enjoyable. Really kind of yeah, cool. it, it generally is. It just it can be a slog because you get you start at like nine or ten, and then we go to like three or four. Ah, oh, okay. Um, and even when you're not gaming, you're still watching the other teams go. So it's anyway. Um, I was thinking, how cool would it be if instead of game day where he actually solves the, or creates those issues and you have to solve them in vitro, uh, we just simulate those problems, and you have to solve them Ace Attorney style. Ooh. Where it's a puzzle that's given to you, and hmm. you know instead of instead of lawyers and defendants and everyone giving testimonies, you have your coworkers 
and your clients like filing bug reports and you can like ask for information, which would be the equivalent of like, you know, going on, looking at our our Google uh, account and, and checking to see what services are not running or using cube control to like see what pods are up and what their logs look like. And you can make the decisions to do that. And it's given to you as each, there'd be like handmade situations, kind of like what we do now. And uh, obviously this doesn't just work for telephony. This could work for any company where you have to do, you know, quick live troubleshooting is teaching people what our tools are to solve, to, to diagnose and solve these problems. And, and more than that, like what kinds of problems you can expect to see if they're, you know, common enough. Objection. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, an objection would be, I don't know, it, but <laughs> I don't know what an objection would look like. But like part of the thing that we have to deal with is not just troubleshooting, but like communicating with the rest of the company, communicating with our clients, like, hey, we're having an outage. These features might not work. So there's there's all sorts of details and mechanics you could put into such a game. Maybe it'd be like an intervention. What do you mean? Oh, 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 oh I see what you're saying. Yeah, I like uh, instead of it. Yeah. Yeah, I like the idea that like you kind of have to I guess it's a puzzle solving kind of thing where you kind of have to get ask the right questions to get the right information so you can make the right decisions. You know, it's like right. like yeah, mm-hmm. like an ace attorney you like when you're like cross-examining a witness, you're like trying to get the right choice to hear something so you know to ask about a particular item in your inventory and blah blah blah. blah. Like mm-hmm. uh that'd be right. super duper cool and and you could train people. And like you said, it's like cross industry especially if you're just teaching people how to deal with you know triage like live like it doesn't matter you just need to learn how to solve problems as they're happening or you know respond to them quickly or communicate that's super cool i did problem solving games are always fun yeah and i think i think anybody would like to play that to be honest yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty stoked about it, actually. <laughs> He's like, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm just to let you know, I'm designing. Looking forward to the 20. <laughs> looking forward quit. to the 2022 release there, Steve. <laughs> I'm going to quit my job and sell this game back to the company. He's like, it, it's going <laughs> to. And then ask for my job back. <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to be at the same E3 that they show Half-Life 3. Like, I, I'm excited. <laughs> Bro, get out of here. <laughs> I'm ready for it. It'll be a VR game. Oh, yes. A mm. VR, a mix of <laughs> AR and VR. Like, just, oh, no. just do it all. You know. <laughs> a full haptic suit will be available. Oh <laughs> and all you're doing is typing. And your coworkers can punch you just out of nowhere and you just feel it. Like <laughs> no, the client punches you. Ooh. It's like entering battle mode. You know the client got hands. They ain't got nothing to lose. <laughs> Get my website back up right now. It's like... <laughs> My computer's not nice. working. So I want to listen to my voicemails again. Battle mode. All right, Kyle, what's your idea? <laughs> so my idea would be uh, kind of, I guess, more general than um, you guys. But I guess it's still kind of in the same vein. So mine would be focused about leadership, fo- focused on leadership and like coaching, I guess, if you want to get into the deep but mostly leadership. And so I, with all the leadership training that I've taken and been a part of, um, a lot of it is an umbrella approach, which I think is fine, but it never gets granular enough, in my opinion. like Because individuals are so different and have different needs as far as leadership. Mm-hmm. And then leading them 
you know, and helping them to grow, I think are, are kind are they're treated synonymously, but I think they're actually a little different. Um, because you can lead somebody to where they're successful to you, but to help somebody grow to where they're successful within themselves, I think it takes more than just being a good leader by the book. Hmm. And so I would want to create a game that would dive into you being a leader that's in investing in other people. And so like my first idea, I guess of how it would come, how you'd play is that you would just kind of catch employees like Pokemon <laughs> and they'd have stats Oh and their, my gosh. their stats would be, you know, their different strengths and weaknesses as far as how they help your corporation. Right. And so like you could say, I don't, I didn't think too much further than this, but like, you know, giving them the right opportunities to build those stats or the right in putting them in, in the right scenarios where they can use their stats to fight off different, you know, enemies or in this yeah and solve different problems or they meet with different clients and help you win clients because they have a certain amount of skills or you know and and then it's kind of like you know gives you that management side of things where you know on at its core you know you're still their leader i guess but you you can't treat them all the same like you can't send them all to the same fight for them to just gain experience points it has to be tailored for them to gain rewarding experience i guess well they would get experience through like the more the more like daily tasks right Mm -hmm. not necessarily through battles which are special oh yeah so i would think yeah like the probably both and well both sure but but not just the battles i'm saying right yeah like you would you would train them and then yeah they gain experience from actual real world scenarios that you'd send them oh like like the job system in Pokemon Sword and Shield. Exactly. Yeah. You'd send them out. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, that, that's a perfect example. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Pokemon, you did something right. Hey. <laughs> There's a game that this reminds me of a game dev story. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it, but it's basically like you're building mm-hmm. your own game development studio. And mm-hmm. like, Oh, yeah. I have heard yeah, of it. I love that game. Like, it's one of the. Yeah, I played Game Dev Tycoon. It's like a ripoff. Yeah, so, so fun. But, um,. I feel like you, you know, like you said, you have different people who come in and you got to like train them and, and like how much you invest in them is how much they grow. Like if you think about Pokemon, like if you leave your Pokemon in the, the box, right? Right. Like you have, they're, just, they're there. just there. And maybe, maybe sometimes you can't invest in everybody, but what you do is like for particular people who you can't invest in personally, you send, you use your rare candy, which is like sending them to training. Like oh, yeah. a specific training, it costs you more money or whatever, but it's like, hey, like I want my designers to be better, but I don't have time to coach him. You know, let me send him to designing camp because that's what you guys do, right? Designers go to design camp. So um, every every month. <laughs> so <laughs> um, now nah, that's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I was you- thinking about like the ways that you could get employees because like. Catching them with Pokeballs would be kind of funny, but like it, if they actually came to, like, maybe you had to actually go through the interview process, you know, like, if they came to you, what, what, or... What if you did it at a career fair? Like, what if you, you, every, like, you could go and set up a booth at a career fair, and then you'd have, like, these battle scenarios where, like, 
uh, a person's like, uh, but I want a company that does this. And you're like, well, our company does this. And they're like, uh, I don't know. I want to really have this free time. You're like, well, we offer, you know, and you're trying to like defeat them and like their HP goes down. Yeah. Yeah. And when you fight Pokemon train or when you fight other trainers, it's like a merger afterwards. So you just get all their employees. <laughs> <laughs> or, or what if it was like you and another person were trying to like capture the person at the same time so you kind of have to like sell your company better and like your coaching style and you know like da 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 it's like a battle like encouragement you know dismissiveness you know (laughs) i don't know compensation compensation insurance compensation it's all compensation (laughs) student loan refinancing 401k matching (laughs) you uh you you show up at first with a with one of those (laughs) <laughs> one of those job posts it's like i'm looking for an entry-level position with four years of experience <laughs> and uh you know twenty five hundred dollars a year twenty five hundred oh man <laughs> and you have to like realize that that's crap and that you have to add a few zeros here and there yo one time i saw a, a listing on stack overflow for a senior engineer uh i think it was ios engineer with like eight to nine years of experience um who has done all this crazy stuff and the pay was i think like fifteen thousand dollars a year and i was like what? i was like you have no idea what you're wow. saying right now like you don't even understand <laughs> surely that's a type no surely full it was time, i looked at the the because i was like nah this is fake full time all these re- prereqs or uh, you know requirements and and i was like bro Y'all aren't. If y'all hire somebody, it's a straight child. It's Ash Ketchum, who's right. somehow <laughs> is surviving. <laughs> know your value, King. It's definitely, it's definitely Gary. Gary. Smell you later. Smell you later. <laughs> I'm working for a company. <laughs> <laughs> They're paying me fifteen thousand dollars. Like uh, I saw, <laughs> I saw a picture the other day. It was like anti Gary, and he said, "Smells you now." <laughs> <laughs> that's that's cursed. It is, that is <laughs> cool. Well, it's it's uh it's Morgan Freeman. I smell you. I mean, I, 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 I think if one thing that I've gotten from this conversation is that we are the subject matter experts on learning games. And SMEs, baby. SMEs, and if a company is trying to do it, they should talk to us, the super agile bros, the yeah. super ga- gamification bros. We yeah. are the ones. We didn't. We didn't even. Don't just talk to us. Like, give us money. Talk to our wallet. <laughs> Call Steve directly. Twenty five hundred dollars a year minimum. <laughs> <laughs> maximum. Right. Sorry, maximum. <laughs> maximum. <laughs> you can go lower. I don't suggest I, it. You know, I'm willing to negotiate lower. Um, <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. Like throughout this whole conversation, like we never really talked about the word gamification. But I feel like we kind of wrapped it up like technically yeah. gamification doesn't exist. It's like you need to make a game that's good. It's a buzzword, man. Mm-hmm. You're a buzzword. Disrespect. <laughs> Only on Tuesdays. <laughs> well, yeah, man. I mean, a good conversation. I mean, you, you guys have any last words on the learn the, the great gamification debate um, and or anything that any last thoughts that you were thinking and didn't get a chance to throw it out there uh before we end it masters of the elements is really good 
Uh, there was a, a physics game called like Zap, where you learned about optics and electricity and sound waves. Cool. Uh, that was really good. Lots of great kids games for learning. Okay. Yeah, definitely check out all the games that we suggested. You could especially you could probably if you emulate are a child. A if you're five, about five years old, um, talk to your parents. Like most of the Pajama Sams and Putt Putts are on Steam now. No kidding. Really? really? Yeah. There was a bundle that I sent to my brother because he has uh, five-year-old twins. Um, Bro. And yeah, I was like, you, you gotta, you gotta get these games in their hands, man. Teach them now while they're young. While they're young. Is it better to have them on Steam or like on iPad? Because realistically, oh, I feel like for sure iPad. But I don't, I don't know if they're available. And if they I are, I don't it. know how much they would cost. That's fair. Double. That's fair. Double. Yeah, and the iPad. Everything <laughs> is. I bought Final Fantasy Tactics, and it was like eighteen dollars on the iPad, and then like three dollars oh, yeah. on the 3ds or something. I was like, "Come on, get out of my face." They know what they do. <laughs> oh, uh, if I didn't want to throw this out there, uh, Z- Zombie Sales Apocalypse. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> that's all, no. That's all. <laughs> that's all. Just search. That's all I gotta say. Zombie. You won't be. That game actually be. looked somewhat fun. That's how they get you, man. Don't fall for it. I might buy it. Look, 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 look. look. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, look, I, I don't know if you remember this, Kyle, but back in the day when Zombie Sales Apocalypse first showed up and we got like a preview of it. I remember. Man. Bruh. It's, it's, I will say it's improved since then. It's a whole nother world. I mean, it's a, like... It's completely different. I, it's completely different. So prop hats off to whatever they're doing, but the original rendition, I can't believe that was like publicly available <laughs> for any human being. It was, you know, I don't like to down nobody. I appreciate anybody who's willing to do anything, but you know what? Like, I mean, once you put it on the internet, and then if you endorse it, you know, yeah, real Best feedback. You. you you deserve. I, you put it out there. I mean. Yeah, if it's yeah. if it's factual that your game, and if you're asking for lacking. money, you know, like I, it's maybe maybe at the time you, they weren't asked for money, but like I'm sure they were. You know, like overall, I try to be a positive person on the internet because that doesn't really exist, like positivity. But like, come on, like just check it out, Zombie Sales Apocalypse. Holla at it, check it out. You know. So anyway. Thank you guys for checking out this episode of Super Agile Bros. As always, thank you, Steve. Thank you, Kyle. I appreciate... You mean glasses, Steve? (laughs) I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. uh, Four Eyes Steve. I really appreciate (laughs) everything. (laughs) Um, You know, guys, keep checking out what we're doing. We got so much more coming down the pipe. Uh, We're thinking of new ideas. We've been talking in the background. We're going to try new things. Um, Hopefully to uh, just, you know, see what excites us and excites you, the people, our fans. Our adoring mostly us though mostly us but um yeah yeah so thanks for watching um hopefully you you uh want to go and play some learning games some children learning games there's plenty of great learned games. about dysentery dysentery please you know you can buy it on amazon nowadays dysentery so <laughs> just bottled it up a, it comes in a plastic bag it's like a yellow liquid <laughs> oh my gosh and, just, just, and it's, <laughs> it's like cloudy. it's like drink in one gulp <laughs> you have to drink it all at once. God knows what happens if you drink it twice. Like you, that's all. You, that's all your body would think. So anyway, thank y'all for watching. I'm sorry, listening. 
to uh, Super Agile Bros. And as always, we love you guys. And we will see you guys later. Y'all take it easy. Peace.